You are listening to Season 2 of the Stories of Creative Leadership, a series about creating the conditions for innovation and creative thinking. This series will showcase creative leaders who will inspire you to become better stewards of your most important asset, employee creativity. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Tony Vengrove. Good morning and welcome back to episode two of season two of our special edition series, The Stories of Creative Leadership. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Tony Vengrove. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited for another great episode here, Todd. Yeah, well, we are blessed to have spoken with today's guest, uh, which we'll dive into in just a moment. But first, quickly remind the audience about why creative leadership is so important. Well, I've said many times throughout the first season and our episode one, creative leadership is important in any organization because there's been so much emphasis placed on innovation, how to do it, what process to put in place. And I believe at the end of the day, innovation is really a leadership task and it's a leadership journey. And it requires creative leadership skills to drive creative thinking and strategic thinking in an organization. So the stories of creative leadership is all about interviewing folks that work on the front lines of innovation and driving change to understand what they're doing day in and day out to chase their dreams and make things happen. All right. So today, as I said, we were lucky to have spent some time with Lieutenant Colonel Rafael Hernandez of the U.S. Marine Corps. Tony, tell us why he was up next. Well, I met Rafael somewhat randomly, and he and I just have created a friendship. And he's just a really great person and a fantastic leader. And he's done amazing things to date in his career in the Marine Corps. And I expect he's going to just be a significant leader moving forward. And as I got to know him, it dawned on me that in the context of the military, which we might think has a very command and control, strict chain of command, issuing orders, so perhaps an environment and culture where there's a ton of constraints, where is the room for creative thinking? And when I approached Raphael about having a conversation about that, he graciously said he would love to come on and talk to us. Yeah, well, I would love for you to chat in a minute about the importance of how the innovation lessons we can learn from this conversation. But like you and like many others, I've always known that there were business lessons that we could glean from the military. And we certainly had our share of that dialogue with Raphael and the importance of mission and commander's intent and esprit de corps and power of team and discipline. The interview was chock full of golden nuggets around those common things we talk about. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that as a follow-up to our previous interview with Mark Fernandez, there was definitely some linkage around being a values-based, values-driven organization. So I think for listeners that heard the Mark Fernandez interview, you'll catch up on that. For those that didn't, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode as well. Well, and he said some things that we know in our core, but it's always good to do it, especially when a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps tells you, I mean, when he said leadership is just hard and you can't go into this knowing that it's going to be easy. He said something that I really liked and he said, can't really means I won't. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that opened my eyes a little bit and, and makes me realize sometimes when I present a can't message that I need to rethink that. But walk us through quickly before we, we want to get to this conversation. Walk us through the innovation lessons from this chat. Well, one comes right out of can't really means I won't. I think a huge lesson for any innovator is, you know, we're often run up against these brick walls where people say you can't, you can't, we can't, it's impossible. And I encourage folks that when you hear that, it's a great time to pause, reflect, and ask a ton of questions to understand why it can't be done. Why is it impossible? Because all breakthrough innovations happen at these points around impossibility. 
So the more you can dive into that and really ask your what if questions, your why questions that really can uncover some interesting insights that could lead to some surprising ideas. I think another area when we were talking to Raphael around some of the mantras of the Marine Corps, things like improvise, adapt, overcome, make it happen. There's this spirit within the Marine Corps, a spirit of whatever it takes. And I think all innovators almost have this inherent in their DNA is once they get intrigued and excited about something, he or she will do whatever it takes to peel back the onion and really see what the opportunity is. And I was pleased to learn that there are some intriguing programs. Some of these guys coming out of the military are positioned to really thrive in a business environment in terms of a focus around creative leadership. Yeah, I encourage the audience to really uh, lift up the hood. There's some really interesting things happening in and around the military. Almost kind of reminds me a little bit of a greatest generation effect. So you have folks that have been through some really tough, demanding, stressful, life-threatening situations coming back into civilian life, doing interesting things. And, and Raphael mentioned one interesting group called the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. And I encourage you to follow them on their Facebook and Twitter and social media feeds. They are doing really some interesting work. They're putting out a lot of great content that I find is triggering my curiosity. But there's also groups like Team Rubicon that are deploying, using military expertise to deploy to places like Haiti and other disaster zones. So you have this group of people trained and very values-driven organization with a respect for mission and so forth that really care and want to make a difference in the world. And I think this whole area is worth following. I know I am for inspiration and support, quite frankly. They're doing great things and they deserve our support. All right, well, let's get to it. So that's it from Tony and myself. We have to take a quick break, but up next, enjoy our conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Rafael Hernandez of the United States Marine Corps. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Miles Finch Innovation, LLC, a creative consultancy that is passionate about ideas, imagination, and facilitating a culture of innovation. Miles Finch Innovation helps companies navigate the messy territory of corporate innovation. They're strategic thinking partners who can help you get unstuck and identify creative solutions to your toughest challenges. They also love to train and speak on the subject of creative leadership. Learn more about how they can help you at milesfinchinnovation.com. Miles Finch Innovation. Idea-centric. Strategically driven. Humanly conscious. All right, Todd and Tony back with you. And as promised, we are now joined by Lieutenant Colonel Rafael Hernandez, the Chief Marketing Officer of the Marine Corps Recruiting Command. Rafael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tony and Todd, for having me on the show. It's an honor to be discussing all things Seven Seas with you today. <laughs> well, it's an honor to be with you as well. Thank you for carving out some very valuable time to join us. And I can assure you, Tony and I are very much looking forward to this conversation. However, before we launch into it, uh, take a quick second, inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Okay, no, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a lieutenant colonel in the United States Marine Corps. 
I've been serving the nation for a little over 21 and a half years, and I'm a logistics officer by training, but I'm presently serving as the chief marketing officer for the Marine Corps Recruiting Command. Well, welcome to the show, Rafael. It's a real honor to have you on the show. As you know, we talk about creative leadership on the stories of creative leadership. And I think the reason why Todd and I were so excited to have you on board here is to talk about your experience in leadership in the military. I think many probably would somewhat stereotype the military and think that there's a rigid command and control, chain of command kind of system and culture there. And one of the things we're really interested to speak to you about is how does the military create the environment for others to be creative and creative thinkers? So within the culture you're in, how do you accomplish creative leadership? No, that's a great question. And it's all about culture. The culture of the Marine Corps is team and mission focused. You know, from the moment one of our best and brightest young Americans is exposed to the Marine Corps in a very personal way at either the recruit training, which most people know as a boot camp, or at Officer Candidate School in Quantico, Virginia, they're continuously reminded that they're part of a team and that those who have come before them have selflessly served our nation's Marine Corps with honor, courage, and commitment, and have always given their all to accomplish the mission in peacetime and in wartime. So the highly trained Marine drill instructors who transformed these great Americans, today they're millennials, now, they're integral developing that esprit de corps, which is defined as that feeling of loyalty, enthusiasm, devotion to a group among people who are members of a group. You know, Tony and Todd, you know, I just used the words honor, courage, and commitment. Those are the Marine Corps' core values. And again, they're integral to the culture that we've established within the organization to be able to do some of those things that you just described, which is be creative and innovative in the accomplishment of what we call a mission, a task, a goal, or objective. One of my favorite quotes around creative leadership, and I use this all the time, is from the great Warren Bennis. He said, there's two ways of being creative. One can sing or dance, or one can create the environment in which singing and dancing can flourish. So when I think of creative leadership, it's all, again, in this context of creating the conditions for others to flourish. So for someone like you and all the other great Americans that serve in our military, you can think about the environment in two ways. One would be behind a desk in a kind of a bureaucratic office setting. And then what makes you guys so brave and unique is you can be out in the field in combat. So again, how do you guys manage and how do you really empower people under situations where there's a ton of constraints? Like where's the room for creative thinking? It all begins with the culture again and building individuals that think in terms of the team and are focused on the team vice the individual. And building from that, the Marine Corps works to develop what we refer to as leadership skills uh, framed around what, we, we, what are called the leadership traits and principles. And at the core of being able to operate independently in a chaotic and uncertain environments, which you find in, in business as well. So trust is at the core of that. And so people that are not familiar with the military way of doing things, think of, of how a military member, a Marine accomplishes tasks. They may assume that they're being told step by step what to do, how to do it, when to do it, et cetera. And that's very far from the truth. The reality is, is, is that independent thought is integral to the way the Marines operate. 
And it's all uh, framed around this idea known as commander's intent, which is an interesting concept. I've read a little bit about that. Can you share with the audience a little bit more about what that is and how it works? Yeah, so commander's intent is a tool employed by Marine leaders from private first class to four-star general designed to focus the efforts of a team on accomplishing a given task. Uh, Chad Storley, in his 2010 Harvard Business Review article, Manage Uncertainty with Commander's Intent, defined it as a key element to help a plan maintain relevancy and applicability in a chaotic, dynamic, and resource-constrained environment. So the idea of commander's intent is essentially not to tell the individual how to accomplish a given goal or objective, but to frame the in-state desire, so to speak, what does success look like, and then provide them the tools, the skills, and the freedom of maneuver, so to speak, necessary to accomplish the mission. And so that's the idea around commander's intent. I love this idea of commander's intent. And Tony, it's not unlike what we've talked about in season one a lot about was clear communication to teams to say, here's the objectives, here's where we're trying to go, here's the mission we're trying to accomplish. I can understand the simplicity of when an order is given to go take that hill, you go take that hill by whatever means you have to do to take it. When it's a clear cut, I know where to get from A to B. Where I find it very interesting is when the plan all goes to hell, right? And everything is completely unexpected and the environment changes. That's where the commander's intent really becomes really, really important. And to use a military story, it's the D-Day invasion, right? That nothing went as they anticipated there, but yet the mission still got accomplished. Can you talk about the difference between achieving a simple objective versus a complicated objective? And that's where the commander's intent really, really matters. No, absolutely. You've explained it quite well. I mean, the example you used is an excellent example. And so commander's intent, is, as you described it, is very important when the plan doesn't turn out the way it was intended to. And so when a leader frames the commander's intent precisely and it's, it's understood by those that are required to execute the plan, that in-state desire or the explanation of what success looks like. For example, during the D-Day invasion, one of the organizations, one of the units was required to secure some key bridges. That was the in-state desire, secure the key bridges. And that mission, that commander's intent, by the most senior leader on the ground and the most senior soldier on the ground. And because uh, the intent was so well-defined and the in-state desire to secure the bridges was so well-defined, the objectives were met. And history shows that because of that initiative taken by the individual teams on the ground and soldiers on the ground, a great battle was won. Rafael, that's real interesting insight. And it seems you used the word trust a little earlier, and it seems trust is a real critical component of making commander's intent work. Can you share some advice? We have a lot of folks working in the corporate environment that listen to the show. Can you give some advice that might help them in going about building a culture of trust so something like commander's intent might work for them? No, absolutely. Trust, uh, initiative, and courage, they're integral leadership skills for leaders, you know, both formal and informal, to develop for commander's intent to work. You know, the advice I would provide corporate leaders today I recommend they set the conditions within their sphere of influence you know, where employees feel trusted and that their leaders truly care about their welfare. 
I would also offer that leaders have a responsibility to do the detailed planning required to clearly provide the clear and concise five W, so to speak, the who, what, where, when, and why lean to a clear understanding of what success looks like, or as we call it in the Marine Corps, the in-state desire. Uh, number three, I would offer that leaders should work to provide employees formal leadership development training in a team environment, and that the technical training also is aligned with the objectives of the organization. And then the fourth thing I would offer, I believe this is one of the most relevant principles that a leader should apply today and is especially relevant to ensure commander's intent. The idea of commander's intent uh, works, especially when the organization is dealing with extremely complex situations, is that the leader must set the example and model the way for their team. You know, what I so admire and respect about the military is the team. And Rafael, you've talked a lot about that in our conversation. There's this brotherhood, there's this camaraderie and utter complete faith in the guy standing next to you that you know that he is going to risk his life for you and you're going to risk your life for his. And that's got to provide you so much confidence. And in my view, it makes the, the fulfilling commander's intent so much easier when you just have absolute confidence and faith that the guy next to you is going to be there to support you. Tony, I wonder, should there be parallels in the corporate environment with teams, creative teams and how much work needs to be done in advance of a, taking on a project to strengthen that team. It just seems to me that the parallel there is, is evident. Absolutely. To be honest with you, one of the things that when I work with clients, Todd, is we do an exercise where we use DISC assessments to get everybody to understand their personality and their teammates' personality styles. And it's not to kind of go deep into that. It's really just to start a conversation so everybody understands each other's perspective and where they're coming from. Because in the world of innovation and creativity, there has to be a tremendous amount of trust there because there's this back and forth of healthy debate and challenging and resiliency. And you have to be able to throw your baby out into the open, so to speak, and be willing to hear people criticize it, but criticize it in the spirit of making it better. So I think trust in your colleagues and knowing that, hey, they're really trying to make it better versus they're trying to criticize you or bring you down or trying to have some kind of weird political motivation is critically important. And I think it's it's a fascinating question for Raphael because, you know, in a corporate environment, you can get away in some cases without trusting people sometimes. But on the field of combat, there's really very little room to kind of adapt when there's a lack of trust. So what if we flipped it to you, Raphael? How do you overcome the instances where trust is weak? Well, just like in the uh, corporate environment, in the Marines, we're constantly developing leaders. It's not easy. Leadership is hard. And at the end of the day, for the Marine Corps, I believe a good job, you know, when we first joined the, the Marine Corps, whether you're, you're, you joined uh, right out of high school or you know, right out of college, to develop what we refer to esprit de corps, which is defined by, uh, you know, I'm just going to read out the definition, Merriam-Webster's definition of esprit de corps, which is uh, feelings of loyalty, enthusiasm, and devotion to a group among people who are members of a group. And I think that can be applied and is applied in corporate America and in other organizations. It's not just something that you find in, in the Marine Corps or in the other services. And so I would suggest that, you know, that's another recommendation for corporate leaders to consider just developing their team's esprit de corps. And you cannot accomplish the most difficult mission when you have people that feel like the organization is loyal to them, their leaders are loyal. 
Their leaders are enthusiastic. The other members of the team are devoted to one another. They care about one another. And I think that when you have that environment, which I know that both you and Todd have been part of those type of organizations and you are probably aligned with such organizations today, is one of the keys to being able to develop a culture of trust where commander's intent, you know, going back to commander's intent, can be effective. And in that environment, nothing is impossible in many ways. Yeah, what you're saying there really dovetails with a a major theme of what Todd and I talk about with other leaders. And that is after so many years of talking about innovation, the conversation has been skewed a little bit too much to the process side, that it's innovation is really kind of a process. You implement a process, follow the process, and it's going to kick out a bunch of successes. But I like what you said, because it dovetails with my beliefs that it really starts as a leadership responsibility and it's a leadership journey and it's a leadership responsibility to create an army of creative thinkers so that you have this army that's motivated, that everybody trusts each other and they're kind of storming the Bastille of ideas, so to speak. Let me shift the gears a little bit, uh, Raphael. I think if other folks are like me, when I think of innovation in the context of the military, I might jump to innovation that's big technological advancements and innovations like some of the big, really interesting laser systems and stuff like that. But I'm sure up and down the line, there's a lot of kind of smaller stuff. And and getting to know you a little bit, I find it fascinating that there's this almost like this little entrepreneurial startup culture that's starting to come into the military. Can you share with the audience a little bit about how some examples that you can share that kind of demonstrate how the military's inspiring innovative thinking at all levels? That's a great question. Thank you for setting that up. So the idea of uh, innovation is gaining ground, especially in the uh, junior officer ranks within the armed forces. As an example, there's an organization known as a Defense Entrepreneurs Forum that essentially you know, self-formed within the last three years and that came to life as a result of uh, junior officers taking the lessons learned from serving in Iraq and Afghanistan over the last couple of years and sharing the ideas that made that worked for them when they were trying to solve problems at the what we call the tactical level, or you could refer to in the corporate environment as a local level. And so the defense entrepreneurs started uh, sharing information primarily through social media channels. And eventually they formed into an organization that has now met on two separate occasions over the last two years in a conference uh, known as the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. And uh, there's a, it's a movement in many ways And that organization has spurred the local establishments or what are known as agoras, which is, uh, as you may know, as the Greek term for a gathering. And so these agoras are forming all over the country and overseas, primarily around military bases and where um, entrepreneurially minded officers, junior officers, mid-grade officers, supported by senior officers with a little bit more experience in the military are coming together and exchanging ideas and new ways of thinking and doing to help solve some of these complex problems that we all have in our organizations in a way that uh, doesn't necessarily require additional funding. The only thing required is just a new way of looking at a problem and bringing people together that are passionate about solving problems and taking the initiative to solve problems in a new way. I find that really fascinating, Raphael, and exciting to hear. I mean, as Tony suggested, there's a 
Well, there's a perception out in the world that there's so much discipline and structure in the military that it would almost seem to not be a conducive environment for creativity and innovation. And this certainly is discipline. I mean, that's that's part of the Marine Corps philosophy. Can you shed any light on how you can maintain that discipline and yet still be creative? Because I'm Tony, I'm thinking of an organization that might be under a lot of have a disciplinary leader who potentially can hamstring creativity, but there's got to be a way to work around that. And I, maybe there's some lessons to be learned from how to be innovative in a, in a disciplined military structure. Anything, any ideas there, uh, Raphael, on how you can bust through that? The idea of discipline is, you know, based on my experience is that, you know, as a leader, you know, you develop the discipline to move forward on an idea, to have the courage to move forward on an idea and to bring it out in the open and seek the advice of senior leaders and supportive senior leaders and be able to work through that bureaucracy, you know, that we all deal with in a disciplined manner. I believe that the initial training that we all get when we first join the, the armed forces provides that discipline, that sense of mission to tackle complex challenges. And the idea of innovation, for me, at this point in my career and in the organization that I serve, it's actually a duty because it's written into the formal mission statement of the organization. It is a what we refer to as a specified task. I am required to lead my team in a way that produces innovative outcomes. So when you have that discipline and also you have this formal requirement to think and act creatively and innovatively, well... You know, it's just an environment where you have no choice, right, but to act on your on great ideas and more importantly, establish that environment, that environment of trust where the people on the team feel that they can share their best ideas without fear of being ridiculed or fear that they're not going to be heard. And as you all know, being in the creative field that you're in, that's when some of the best ideas can rise above the noise, so to speak. and and you never know where they can, that can take you. And from my experience, I've seen some of the best ideas to solve some really complex problems come from the most junior Marines that I've led, and they have set the conditions for success. Boy, isn't that the truth? I've been there right with you, Raphael. I've seen that happen too. And, and just to kind of segue into the next question off of Todd's question, innovative thinking and creativity really can benefit from constraints. And I love that classic scene in Apollo 13 when they walk into a room and they're trying to solve the issue with the, the carbon dioxide filter, right? And they come in and they say, we have to get this, basically this round, we got to get a round filter into a square hole using only what's in this box and they dump it on the table. And so I think that's what you're describing is that spirit of just working with specific constraints with a clear task and mission in mind, which brings me to our final question, which is around some of the mantras of the U.S. Marine Corps. And you've mentioned some of them, but the two that I love is a spirit of improvise, adapt, and overcome, which I think was just embedded in what you just said a few moments ago, but also this mantra of make it happen. And both of those mantras just seem so applicable to any organization. Can you just share a story about how the spirit of these mantras really encouraged creative thinking in the military and the Marine Corps? I have a feeling that you don't hear a lot of Marines complaining or saying stuff can't be done. Is that well, right? No, that's absolutely right. You know, one of the things that you'll hear often from Marine leaders is that uh, when uh, can't really means I won't. 
Right. So I've never heard a Marine in my 21 years ever say he or she can't do something. And so the the mantra, you know, make it happen is common. And I use it often and it may be a cliche to use it now in the Marine Corps, but I use it often and it makes sense to to the Marines that I work with and they do make it happen. And so the idea, again, is we all work in constrained environments, whether it's uh, funding or you don't have the human capital on the team that one may feel is necessary to accomplish the, the task at hand. At the end of the day, we all have to accomplish the mission in the corporate environment. It's achieve sales objectives, achieve, ensure that shareholder wealth objectives are met, et cetera. And so this idea of make it happen goes back again to leadership, in my opinion, and the requirement the duty of a leader to develop herself constantly to become a better leader, be more effective, the need for members of the team to continuously develop themselves and be what we refer to in the Marine Corps as technically and tactically proficient at their job. For example, you know, if, you, if I'm a Marine that uh, is uh, responsible to maintain a, an Osprey aircraft, a very complex piece of equipment, it is uh, her duty to learn everything there is to learn about the aircraft. And that doesn't just mean learning the specific piece of the aircraft, so to speak, that they're responsible for, whether it's the airframe or the engine components, et cetera. It means learning that specific requirement that, that they were formally trained to, but also learn about how to operate the aircraft, how to manage passengers when they're on the aircraft, et cetera. I couldn't agree more with you. I always encourage people to really get technically proficient with the manufacturing systems of their of the products they might work on and so forth because there's just so much complexity and quite often some of the biggest stumbling blocks are embedded deep into the details of some of these systems. So in some ways it's easy to come up with an idea. It's a whole other case to kind of commercialize and develop them and launch them. And the more you understand the details of how these things work, there's a lot of inspiration there, but there's also a lot of knowledge to be learned that can help you overcome the hurdles along the way. I think the reason why I like hearing you talk about make it happen so much is it dovetails with a, kind of a mantra I encourage folks that I work with is to develop on innovation a spirit of whatever it takes. And I don't believe there's one right way to do innovation. I don't think there's a silver bullet by any means. And that's why I think I love your mantra of make it happen because it involves the spirit of whatever it takes. And I think that's where a lot of magic happens. And it's hard to teach that. You can inspire for it in an organization. Hey, Raphael, this kind of blew by real quick, and I want to thank you for being on the show and ask you if you'd join us in, in a tradition we have here at the end of the show called the Seven Seas Lightning Round. And, and what all we're going to do is we're going to serve up each of the seven seas of creative leadership and just ask you real quick, it could be a word or very short, pithy sentence in terms of the first thing that comes to mind, but it's all about what's a key nugget of an idea why each of the seven seas are important. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So the first one is communication. Strategic alignment. Curiosity. Integral innovation. Amen. Creativity. Set the conditions for success through trust. Connecting. With people. Culture. Esprit de corps. Change management. Change does not happen until change happens. Courage. 
leadership. This is awesome. Change does not happen until change happens. I've never heard that before, Tony. It's one of those things that when you when you hear that, you forehead smack yourself and say, wow, brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely. And courage absolutely is leadership and leadership is courage. So this was a real pleasure and honor to have you on the show. And on behalf of Todd and myself and everyone listening, thank you to you and everyone in the Marine Corps for your service and all you do not just to protect us, but to protect the institution that is the United States Marine Corps. Well, Todd and Tony, I appreciate the opportunity. And just remember that it's your Marine Corps Mm. and we're here to serve. Uh, Let me assure you, I sleep well at night knowing you guys are there. So that's Lieutenant Colonel Rafael Hernandez, the Chief Marketing Officer of the Marine Corps Recruiting Command. Rafael, again, it was a great pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Rafael Hernandez, my co-host, Tony Vengrove, I am Todd Schnick. Stay tuned for episode three of our special edition series, The Stories of Creative Leadership, coming soon. Until then, thank you for listening. This is Todd and Tony signing off. We'll see you soon. (laughs) 